0: You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Big Possible Show. This is your host, Noah Scott, signing on with Nate Isha So, Nate is the founder of Kite & Dart Group focusing on elevating socially conscious entrepreneurs and business owners through coaching. Nate supports businesses through marketing, group work, one-on-one strategy development. His goal is to see fundamental ideas behind entrepreneurship in our country change, primarily in the areas of equity, inclusion, and distribution of wealth. What is happening, Nate? I am super pumped to have you on the show because, boy, we have some very, very closely tied in missions. So excited for the conversation.
0: Good to be amongst friends, Noah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for putting in all the work to have a podcast. I know it's a ton.
1: Absolutely. So, Nate, I'd love to start the show off with a fun little icebreaker. How would you describe your superpower, that thing that you've honed through the years that's just so unique to you?
0: I don't know if I've honed it, but I can tell you what I'm really good at is helping entrepreneurs understand how trauma and internalized white supremacy impact their decision-making on a day-to-day basis
1: wild that's really wild especially you know the white supremacy aspect of it we haven't you know people it's it's an undercurrent that we hear all the time but how do you go about how do you go about explaining that to people
0: well i think if we look at it from <clears throat> there's been a lot of work done um and and i first got introduced to this idea of characteristics of white supremacy culture through a coach of mine jenny Madrano, who's a coach and is amazing And she introduced me to this work that a woman Tima Okun and and a man Kenneth Jones did um, a while ago about dismantling white supremacy and just names the characteristics of our culture. So so white supremacy characteristics are really like these agreements that we agree to whether or not we agree to them or not. About what's good and right in our culture, so when I start to work with a client that's the first thing we do is we go through those characteristics and we just we just call out that um, this is how we've been conditioned to believe is the right way or the white way as we call it.
1: Yes, yes. And you know, that's one of the things that I just, you know, I built I built the big 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 possible really on looking at it from a lens of inclusion. And mm-hmm. you know, when we when we do have the ability to impact the world in a positive way, sometimes as an individual it can feel like our impact is kind of it doesn't make enough enough of a dent. Um, but that's what I love to celebrate on the show. I love to celebrate people that are, in mm-hmm. fact, doing what they can to collectively move the world in a positive direction. So how would you describe uh, your efforts in helping you know, the world, quote unquote, save the world or just make that positive dent?
0: Well, I mean, I'm clear now after nine years in business that I'm just one, one piece of this transformational army that's really committed to going out there and using business to make a difference in the world. Um, and I'm certainly not the only person who understands that, that probably the best context from which to run a business is contribution. I think one of the reasons that I work in the space that I do is that when I impact a client, they didn't go on to impact many other people. It's not, the, um, it's not a, a new idea. Um, it's been done by a lot of people that are uh, better at this than I am. But for me, like basically what we do is when we, we get an entrepreneur to, first of all, understand that um, they've been force fed a narrative about entrepreneurship that uh, is not conducive to the success of their business. And then we empower them to make choices in their business based on what their values are and what they're good at and what they're passionate about. And then build a strategy that allows them to take those actions in their business. It makes a huge difference in the world. The good news is, is that there's a way to run business. And I think so many of us are proving this already. That is that it's counter to what large corporations and late stage capitalism has taught us. And it happens to work better. That's good. Yeah. Just so happens to work better. Yeah.
1: Incredible. Yes. Uh, I think we'll get into a little bit more of that as as we talk for sure. But Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to I'd like to now start with the story of a time that you took the biggest risk of your life. Because, you know, again, uh, facing something that's, that's big and daunting, sometimes we need the courage and we need the stories from other people who have done it to get the courage to do it on our own side. So uh, what's, what's your story and kind of what was going through your head at the time?
0: I mean, I've been through a lot of very dangerous situations uh, being a person in recovery. So I'm not going to share any of that stuff in this because I don't think it's relevant to the question. However, I can share a business story. So I remember the first time I led a workshop where we actively addressed the presence of and the impact of white supremacy on entrepreneurial behavior. It was an in-person workshop right before COVID, and I was leading. And I had a woman of color; uh, her name's Sydney. She's amazing in the room, and a, and a white person, a white man, on the right side of me, and um, and Sydney said something and then the white guy went to correct her and it was around these issues of diversity equity and inclusivity mm-hmm. and i think in that moment and i shut him down he ended up being a client which was interesting but um i don't think he knew what he was doing but in that moment i was aware of like um this is a really bad idea right at that time like talking about these things and triggering white fragility and calling out the myth of American exceptionalism and requiring that our clients get in touch with, you know, their oppressed and oppressor identities as access to the business they want to build. Uh, yeah, not a very good idea at the time, but we had to, I had to, cause I felt like I was responsible. So I'd say that's the biggest risk I took was to start talking about these things inside of the space of consulting.
1: Incredible. And there's, there's so much power in that phrase that you said I had to, when we, Figure out a calling that's bigger than ourselves, whatever that mission might be. And it's, you know, it might be one of these moments where you just realize that this has gotten to a point where you no longer are able to live life without stepping up and fighting it. It yep. becomes so much easier to embrace the hard, the impossible, the things that are considered obstacles for most people. But because you have that fire, it's going to enable you to embrace the challenge and take that take that with you through every step of the journey so Mm -hmm. what have you found to be particularly helpful as you're you know as you started to embrace that mission as you've been moving forward what have you found to be helpful in maintaining that um, that fire and then also like building leverage so that you're able to make a bigger impact
0: yeah so my clients so you know I come out to market and I say something like that and people come in on that and buy on that and are down with that and and they see that my commitment to at least understanding and acknowledging my role my part and my privilege and how you know internalized white supremacy and implicit bias drive business that's where i get it from so i have i was talking to um my coach yesterday about this it's like um you don't know, have a lot of imposter syndrome. I, I probably shouldn't be alive. I didn't come from the best background. I do not have a college. I have an associate's degree. You know, and I coach people. and Graduated from Ivy League colleges and people with PhDs and all this. So, I, you know, I wrestle with that. But you know, at the end of the day, what gives me the courage to move on is like all my clients who are awesome can't be wrong. And they continue to work with me and they continue to take you know and co-create with me, and then they take actions and it works. So for me, kite dart itself has become an existing system for that kind of broadening of impact. Every client I get that takes this philosophy into their business and produces tremendous results gives me more courage to take the business to the next level.
1: Yes, yes. Sometimes just having the momentum is enough proof that you're onto something. So, um, in terms of in terms of just the the frameworks that you're you're helping people, you know, embrace inclusion break out of the myth and mm-hmm. and start to just build a foundation for you know, a, a better future. What what do some of those, those strategies look like when you're talking with your clients?
0: That's a great question. Thank you, Noah. So the first thing we do is so we have to establish um, you're making this point. Right. The, the, the assertion we're making is that because we've been taught certain things in our culture about business, you know, and capitalism and, and is it, you know economic systems are how inequality is is uh, propagated, has been that way for a long time. When you go back to feudalism or I mean look at the pyramids, and then we've got that. So the first thing is to get folks to understand that they've been dealt um, a deck of cards that's not in their best interest, i.e., that the narrative for entrepreneurship and our culture is controlled and driven by folks that Um, On one end of the spectrum are just, you know, blind to their own privilege and on the other end are completely aware of how the system works and are propagating certain myths of entrepreneurship that keep the social order. And we do that by taking people through the Kenneth Jones and Tima Okun um, Characteristics of White Supremacy Culture document. Now, it's not typically for our clients. um, uh, uh, That's not a huge impactful thing in terms of like a grand pop. It's more like naming stuff that most of our people are aware of. Most people that are going to come in through the way that we talk are going to know that um, there's not only one way to do a thing. They're going to question paternalism. They're entrepreneurs, so they're not going to be you know, completely burdened by right to comfort. And a lot of them are not going to be afraid of open conflict. And those are just some characteristics. So once folks get familiar with that document, it's clear that like, some of that stuff is running the show, particularly when we get scared, which we all are when we have a business. So once we've established that, you know, there's this hidden set of commitments or ideas that are driving our decision-making in business, it allows us to open up the next question, which is, if not that, then what? We call this approach inside out instead of outside in, where we start to work with entrepreneurs, first of all, to determine what we call their source commitments are, like the difference they wanna see in the world through their work, and then also just have them take a look at the things that they're most passionate about, they're most confident in doing, and they have the most experience doing and help them find ways to do their business by doing those things. What ends up happening is, of course, is if we're doing what we're most passionate about and we're doing what we're most confident in and we're doing what we have the most experience doing and we're seeing us doing that have a huge impact and a change on other people's lives, well, all of a sudden business gets a lot easier. I mean, no, 90% of the problem we're facing as entrepreneurs is a lack of alignment with the clients that we are working with. That's it. Mm. Alignment is everything. So
1: true. So, what are some of the ways that you would you would suggest people get better alignment? Like, I know there's messaging on the website. There's there's the deliverables in the product. There's how frequently we communicate with them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You
0: know, what yeah. are some
1: of the things that you say?
0: So, what we do is first of all, it's to get current. So businesses have seasons. Yeah, and so in the first you know arc of a business, the first season of a business, we're doing. Uh, what I like to call uh, survival mode. Mm-hmm. So we're out there and um, we're essentially reacting to problems and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, we start a business, we're going out about to solve a problem, which is called, how do I make enough money to survive doing this thing I wanna do? And then inputs come in and we react to those and more inputs come in and we react to those. And and in some, you know, through whatever happens, if. With, you know, luck and coincidence and privilege and and skill and all that stuff weighs in. We get to a point where, um, you know, we don't have a lot left to react to. Um, but the thing is, is that reactivity is woven into what our brain thinks a business is a business. So the first thing is, is to get current. How do we get current? Well, we take a deep breath and relax. First of all, stop freaking working, and just take a look at what our days are structured like. So when I go to work with a client, I have a course right now that's called Get Productive. And the first thing we do is we get people to get related to their schedule, their to-do list and their email. Just to kind of get their arms around the reality of of what happens. And Eric, or Noah, I'm sorry. Noah, you and I both know what happens.
1: Absolutely.
0: Second season when things are working, it's harder than the first one because now it's like I have all this email, I have all this shit to do. I can't, and I'm operating under the delusion that I can get it all done but I can't so now what so I would say the first thing is get current and realize that what worked in the first season of your business that's not gonna necessarily work for the rest of your business as a matter of fact like clinging on to what used to work can end us Mm -hmm. and it's hard because if you're like me your identity so much of who you are and who, who I am, who I am, and who I am for the world, and my identity is wrapped up in this business. So sometimes it's hard for me to, to take a deep breath and say, Hey, you know, I'm totally doing that wrong. Here's yeah. this thing I started doing in the beginning when I didn't have this, 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 and this, and this, but I keep doing it. And it doesn't make any sense now. So get current.
1: Beautifully said. Cool. I love that. So taking stock on on, you know, which phase you are in your business, which season you're in, and then aligning mm-hmm. the schedule, all the, the identity you have wrapped around it to actually optimize the performance of the business. Yeah and, getting,
0: yeah, and getting that like there's a game called working less. Yes,
1: yes, we because, all want that.
0: <laughs> well, and in the beginning, it's a, we can't do it in the beginning, right? Because there's just so much we don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think once we start to get into this like proof of concept season of business, we want to start playing a game called effectiveness. Mm-hmm. I think effectiveness is distinct from efficiency, right? Efficiency is just like, let's get all the shit done. We can get done. Let's do all the most number of things. Effectiveness is going, okay, of these course, of these available actions that I have to take, which one of these is going to produce the result that's most consistent with what I say I'm doing here? And it's hard because it's oftentimes not what got us here
1: absolutely well beautiful so with that i think let's let's pivot to something a little bit more on the soul connection uh, aspect of it because mm-hmm. you know as we're doing all this we're trying to free up our time yeah we're trying to build systems and leverage so that our mission is moving forward yeah but at the end of it i really love to ask the question around what you think happiness comes from because if we, if we understand you know, what personally creates that happiness, that's like the carrot on the stick for us, or it is the moment of being. But I think for you, I'd like to hear just kind
0: of your take on that. What, what do you think makes people happy? So I'm a weirdo. So we'll talk about me and then I'll talk about other people. Yeah. I, I made a decision a long time ago that that happiness was too little of a thing for me to chase with the limited amount of time I have on earth. That was not what I was going to go after. What I was going to go after was that people who had uh, that had faced circumstances similar or worse than mine would have an easier time of it than I did. You know, I got mm-hmm. sober in a 12-step program. That's what we do. You know what happened? I got happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think happiness comes from, I think, effectiveness. Hmm. And when I notice people getting happy in business, it's not working less per se. I think that's like a, uh, like a result of really noticing, like feeling free or feeling free to choose or feeling empowered to make a difference and be effective. We want to be effective. None of us in, in this realm that you and I are in, you know, got into business solely to make money. We want to make a difference. If we want to make money, you just stick with the career you had, right? So, so where I see people get really happy in life is when they are, feel effective. Mm -hmm. now what do they need to feel effective well they need to be you know talking to people that get on and feel like the same way they do about stuff and like the way each other think They have structures and systems that allow them to do what they're great at and not force them into stuff they hate doing and they need to feel um abundance
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that they're not going to lose their entire business by pissing off their racist white uncle Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: beautifully said love Mm -hmm. i love that and and one of the final questions we'll close out with yeah. is, is yep. really around decision making, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really believe that the, the big things in life, our dreams that we, that we build, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're a byproduct of the actions that we take. And ultimately, oh. the actions we take are yeah. made, based on the decisions we make. So do you have a decision process or a mental model that you use to just keep yourself juiced up and ready to go?
0: Oh, it's so good. So good. I love it. I smell a little bit of the landmark, right? Context, actions, results. Mm-hmm. Um. yeah. So for me, I'm really focused on alignment. So, I, you know, and I'm an extreme case. I had a traumatic childhood. I'm a person in recovery. I'm extremely neurodivergent. I suffer from, you know, I experienced the, the, uh, the symptoms of ADHD and depression. So it takes something, generally speaking, for me to um, feel like engaged. I always tell people, like, I never asked to be born. It's kind of how I come to the day. So for me, the key has been to notice alignment. So when I give myself something to do and it shows up over and over and over again on my to-do list or I consistently, like in the beginning of the business, I can't show up the meetings on time, I can't show up the meetings on time, I can't show up the meetings on time. Instead of making myself wrong, I just say, you know, maybe this is just not the correct action, the most opportune, like the ideal action for me to take in the space. And when I allow room for myself, both what I'm great at and what I'm not great at to give the structure of my life and business, that's what gives me freedom. Hmm. That's what gives me the strength to go on. My strength comes naturally because I love what I do. What diminishes it is when I sign myself up for stuff that I'm not great at, That reduces my impact. That kicks all those old, you know, uh, imposter syndrome voices into high gear. And for me, it's stuff like I don't know, scheduling or accounting. Or you know, I got ADD, so pretty much squirrel. You know, mostly I can talk. Pretty much it. No, talk and think is all I got. I, you know, I'm in the
1: same boat. I talk and think, (laughs) and maybe maybe paint. I, I got a little extra, extra thing I'll throw in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I love, I love that, that that simple word signing up because so often there is the agency in every yeah, yeah. thing that we sign up for and we forget yeah. that sometimes it's just like yeah. we land on it oh we're stuck in this but yeah somebody I, put us there well,
0: it's <laughs> it put us in school for that long where we were stuck and then we took jobs where we were stuck
1: yes and
0: yes. so we forget oh wait i my partner and i laugh about this all the time because she's she's an ex-educator and she's a brilliant her name's karen bartlett and she's she's a rule follower not she said she's a rule follower. She's not a rule follower. But sometimes we'll forget over here that we'll make up a way to do a thing. And then it won't work. And we'll forget that we were the ones that made up the way to do the thing. Because we're so conditioned to do things that other people tell us. And so yeah. there's, and Noah, I, you know, for me, uh, can I ask you a question? Yes. What, are, what do you do every morning before you get started at work to show up like this? show up so open and listening and like, what are you doing, man? Because I know it's going to be good.
1: I read, I read every day, a little philosophy. I meditate. I'll do at least like 20 squats and 20 pushups. I'll eat some chia seed pudding. And then I'll think, I'll just think and write, write something out. Just like, what am I, what am I feeling? You know, but this is like every single day. There's it, yeah. it, if, if, if I only have 20 minutes, I I try to cram it all in 20 minutes, but every day that that's the guardrail that's the that's the primate i gotta do
0: it shows dude i mean i just met you it shows it shows in the way you show up in this interview and the questions you're asking and you, i really man. applaud that i think so much is just about being current and being present and you know and then and just listening to our intuition and, and then we have to have structures just to make that work like go to mexico
1: i'll be there next week <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Nate this has been absolutely just such a pleasure having you on the show. Pleasure. Really just enjoyed the depth. I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. So how do we how do we support you? How do our listeners um find out about all the cool stuff you've going on and and uh and stay in touch.
0: So the website is www.kitedart.com. It's kite like you fly and dart like you throw. K I T E D A R T. Or you can just shoot me an email Nate n a t e at kitedart.com and I'd love to hear from anyone for any reason. Uh, If there's anything people feel like I can help or wanna challenge or just wanna talk about, I'm always available. Uh, You know, We believe that that communication and relationships are the key to successful business. And so we always try to make ourselves available for people that wanna engage with us for whatever reason.
1: Beautiful, thank you so much, Nate. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. With that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.